What's good, everybody? Chris Brooks here from 615 Preps, welcoming in to the Mid-State 48. Our preview shows for the 2021 season where we get you ready for the season in Class 4A and 5A in 48 minutes or less. Or overtime, of course. Let's bring in Scott and Tom. Tom Duggan, Scott Burton. Guys, how are you? Hey, Chris. Hey, Chris. Hey. How's it going? All right. <laughs> Don't mind me. I'm just here. Y'all, y'all have fun. I said, hey, Chris, first. I just I want to know how to get a chair like Chris and a movie collection like Scott. I'll have it made. <laughs> <laughs> this was called It Took a Long Time to Get Satellite. Because <laughs> they don't do cable where I live. Can you still find a DVD player? That's what I want to know. <laughs> <laughs> Surprisingly, yes, I still have one. What is on today's uh, today's Today, it's uh, how about? Chicken run. Chicken run. That sounds good. <laughs> that, that's usually what I make about midnight when I'm hungry. There you go. <laughs> I'm hungry. Actually, now. sounds good. Yeah. Forget <laughs> midnight. Let's wait. Yeah, let's oh. go. <laughs> well, let, let's let's go over we uh, class four A and five A first, and uh, I want to go ahead and bring on some graphics to show everybody to make things make sense because class four A it, it had some changes this year, and some of them don't make sense. But uh, let's look back at Region 3 from 2020. This was a five-team region where, as long as you beat Cumberland County, you were good. And DeKalb County, Macon County, Livingston Academy, still more they all did that. Uh, Cab took this region from Macon in their October showdown uh, with a last-minute touchdown to, to win that region. So uh, the, the Tigers from Smithville were the ones who came out on top in this region. And uh, Macon County's kind of hungry about that, but they got to deal with some changes and here's some of those changes for region now region four for this year. Like I said, it'll all make sense eventually. So the five region three teams go to region four. Upperman comes up to join them. And there you have it. That's that's region four goes to region five. That, that's how this works. So presenting the new region four for a for 2021 and 2022 with Cumberland County, DeKalb County, Livingston Academy, Macon County, Stone Memorial and newly added Upperman. Guys, Upperman seems like the team that might be the one to beat in this region. Everything that has been talked about seems like it's pointing to them. What do you say? 100% agree. I think Upperman right now is uh, uh, somebody's got to push them off before you know we crown somebody else in this region. Yeah, and, uh, you know, seeing them move up, I, I got to feel like that uh, – you know, DeKalb, Macon, Livingston probably cringed a little bit because just how good Upperman has been on the 3A level. And uh, let's not forget, they've been playing up uh, against DeKalb County for several years, against Cookville for the past few years, against Livingston Academy. So, you know, Upperman's no stranger to play or playing what were considered bigger schools at the time. And now they come into this region. They've got uh, the 4-3-A MVP at Ty Dutchess back at quarterback this year. They've got Blake Metzger in their backfield. Uh, and Adam Kane, who I think is uh, just really one of the best coaches you're going to find in that Upper Cumberland area. You know, Upperman's going to be a handful, and uh, they come right up into 4-4-A, and instantly they're the favorite in the region. It's a big change for these teams, knowing that now they're going to have to really deal with Upperman to, to find a good playoff spot. And it makes that DeKalb-making game even that much more important. And one other big change to the schedule, that DeKalb-making game goes to the 1st of September, September 3rd in Week 3. Those two will square off in a massive region game for playoff positioning. Lafayette's the side of that game again like it was last year with the flipping of the contracts. 
But Macon County at Upperman October 1st really is going to be it's going to set the tone for whether or not Upperman is in first place when DeKalb County gets their shot. Yeah, I, I agree, Chris. That uh, September 3rd game uh, very well could be for a home playoff game uh, for one for one or the other. Um, yeah, you know, if if everything holds the way, uh, you know, it looks like on paper uh, that that's going to be the game. But uh, there's no saying that Upperman, uh, you know, is going to be able to to run the table. Uh, DeKalb is you know, quite talented, and uh, so and Macon County's uh, improving every year. So I think this is a little bit tougher region, uh, you know, in, in the top three or four. Then, I mean, of course it is when you add Upperman, but I think it's it's even tougher. Uh, even at the lower levels than it has been in the past. A couple of guys I want to mention for Macon County, Brady Brooks, at quarterback, is starting to really become one of the better passers in the area just because he has he's grown into that role a lot for the Tigers. He's a big, strong-arm quarterback. He's going to actually have a downfield threat in Cameron Houston this year, something they've not had in Lafette in quite some time. Um, quarterback-wise, they haven't had a lot of that lately. I mean, Seth Carlisle a few years ago, but now, Brooks looks like, by the way, no relation, just FYI, uh, <laughs> just if anybody asks, no relation. But uh, Brady Brooks looks to be pretty comfortable in that role, and they're a confident bunch coming to this team into this season, too. It's not like they're going to sit there and, and take third place, and they they have their eyes on a region title themselves, something they've not had in, 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 nearly, in nearly 20 years. It's like 2003 was the last time they won a region title. And I would circle that uh, that opening game against East Robertson because uh, talking to Coach Shoulders, they're going to throw. It, it's going to be a, a fun matchup for Taylor Groves against Cameron Houston. I think that they're going to go at it all night, and I think that it's going to be one of those games that uh, that Megan is going to look to come out and set the tone for their season in that first game. Um, as you said. Uh, they're a confident bunch, and and a win there, a solid win there, is just going to build on that. Yeah, it'd be it'd be important for them to start out with a win there, you know, considering the competition. Um, I just wonder, you know, Livingston Academy is not going to have a home field this year, so you know, going up there for those teams not going to be necessarily as much of a of a tough trip as it has been in past years. So that's Tom, that's got to be tough then. Yeah, it is, and and I tell you, they've got a coaching change on top of that. Bruce Lamb had been there for so many years, and uh, uh, you know, losing him, I know, is going to be a change, some changes in that Livingston Academy team, and uh, it just seems like uh, anytime you played on that field up there, it's always been a big home home field advantage for them, but. Uh, I still don't ever count them out. It's just something like Livingston Academy always seems to come to play, and uh, people are kind of overlooking them this year, uh, looking more at the Macon County, DeKalb County. Stone Memorial, another team has been pretty solid uh, in 3-4-A, now moving up to 4-4-A. And I'm going to jump back on DeKalb County here again for a second because uh, a lot of folks kind of write them off with uh, their quarterback, Axel Aldino, moving on to uh, uh, Central Missouri. He'll be playing college ball this year. But uh, Coach Steve Trapp's got a new quarterback, sophomore left-hander in Briz Trapp, I uh, think distant relation there. And he's very excited about him and a couple of uh, tailbacks that are back. And um, Scott, you and I kind of fawned over in our 3A preview talking about Smith County had a couple of big guys. Boy, DeKalb County's got some massive guys up front, too. Uh, Diego Coronado's six foot, about 380. 
And for 380, this kid can really move. And they've got another kid in a shady Rancorn at 325. Uh, Brian Portillo, I think he tips the scales about 360. So a lot of size there. And um, DeKalb County is going to be, I think, a little more formidable than people think. But uh, I like this region. I don't think it's going to be a cakewalk for Upperman. And, again, don't count out a Livingston. Don't count out a Stone Memorial. And even Cumberland County, they're taking steps forward as well. Yeah, And I'd like to mention uh, one other player for – uh, for the cab, that's Isaac Knowles, the wide receiver. Uh, he he just makes plays, and I think that uh, he can, you know, depending on how their quarterback play is, uh, he can turn uh, a a short pass or a broken play into a long gain or a touchdown. And I think that uh, you know having those kind of players uh, in that offense is just going to be a key for the cab. Well, it's it's a big change for for those teams to have Upperman in that region. But uh, like you guys say, it'll be an interesting year just to see whether or not Upperman does take that region or not. I mean, a lot of talk for them being one of the favorites in four A, but uh, they'll have to earn it for sure. And the old region for four A becomes region five, and this is how that region went last year with Tullahoma going twelve and one, unbeaten in the region, losing in the quarterfinals. No one's still going to the semifinals for the second straight year. And losing to Elizabethan again, Marshall County a second round out, Spring Hill a first round out, Lawrence County and Maplewood did not make it. But some changes for for those teams this year. They're going to Region Five Five A. It is now the state's largest region with nine teams. One of the most confusing moves I think I've ever seen in reclassification, and I'll explain that in a minute. Pro Cone is the big name coming to Four A with Hillwood and Glencliff dropping from Class 5A to 4A. And some of the old teams from Region 4 and the old teams from Region 5 have kind of come together to make one big mega region that goes from the Kentucky County the Kentucky state line to nearly Alabama. And that's it's not a, hyperbole. It's, it's, it's a mega mess is what it is, Chris. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, you know, if I'm sitting here in Greenbrier or, or Hillwood or Creekwood – Place and I'm looking over across the board at Red Bull and Springs walking into the playoffs right now. And I've got and half of this region, over half of this region isn't going to make it. Yep. And not only that, but you're traveling, like you said, from Tullahoma to the state line. Yeah. That's I I don't know. Um I'm, I'm sure that there's some wisdom involved here, and I'm just too dumb to understand it but it's beyond me. Tom. It's puzzling. I mean, yeah, I just, you know, when you see a four or five team region and you see this and uh, I know TSSAA, guys, we go back to 1993 when they first expanded uh, beyond the three classifications and it just seems like they keep tinkering and trying something different and uh, the, they just can't seem to get a formula that they, they can stay with. And uh, you hate to see it because you, you hate to see some natural rivalries broken up. You hate to see, I hate to see a nine-team region where probably a couple of really good football teams are going to be left out of the playoffs. That's yeah. the sad part about it. Yeah. Oh, yeah, by the way, insult to injury here to teams like Tullahoma and Marshall County. Hello, thank you for putting Pearl Cone in here with us, too, because, uh, <laughs> you know, the the, uh, the the path to a region championship just got a whole lot harder with the Firebirds there. Yeah, yeah, Pearl Cone looking to be the, the likely favorite in this region, even coming up to four for the first time. And there's plenty of talent there in Pearl Cone, Barry Brown, 
with the big name, obviously, you know, where he's going to go to college, still undetermined. Then uh, he's prime for a big senior year, and a lot of teams in this region are going to be hard-pressed to stop him. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you look at Pearl Cone, Tullahoma, Marshall County. There's three. All right, and and let's just say that that holds. That seems to be the consensus right now in some way, shape, or form. Those might be your top three. So that means Montgomery Central, Lawrence County, Hillwood, Greenbrier, Glencoe, Creekwood. My gosh, you're right, Tom. Somebody's going to be staying home that, and somebody's going to be getting in that's not going to be near as good as one of these teams. Um, I talked to Coach Elmore with Greenbrier. We were talking um, – uh, before their uh, before their scrimmage the other night, and he he was talking about uh, well, it just seemed like uh, they had uh, just slipped loose of White House and White House heritage, and Lynn landed right in the middle of this <laughs> conundrum. But to his credit, he's we're going to play who we play. You know, it, he's he's not making excuses, and he he knows he's got a tall task, but he thinks his kids are up to it. So. Greenbrier seems like to be one of those teams that might be able to make some noise this year. They've got some skilled players coming back, some experience coming back. You know, who knows? I mean, they're going to be in the mix for a playoff spot. Just looking at some of these these key games, I mean, the one I circle is October 8th against Creekwood because that invariably is going to determine one of those teams who's going to get in or maybe be left out. Yeah, oh, I, I agree. Winner, yeah, I agree. That, well, the winner of that game, to me, is, is probably the, the leader in the clubhouse for number four. It's going to be a dogfight to get there, but I think that's one of your top matchups to get to that number four seed. Yeah, Greenbrier uh, just, you know, and again, I've not seen Creekwood uh, this year. Um, uh, they, they've got a lot of seniors, but they're, you know, well, they, I'm sorry, they don't have a lot of seniors, but they have a lot of experienced players. But going out there and seeing those kids the other night uh, smacking hats against uh, West Creek, um, and they've got some players, and they are they are hitting. They're hitting hard. I mean, every every defensive play, uh, you had people run into the ball. Um, the kids seem to know where they're going, and they've got a, a probably one of the tallest linebackers, and his name escapes me at the moment. But this kid is like 6'4". He's a linebacker. He's going to be – he'll be a defensive end at the next level. But, I mean, he was swatting passes down like King Kong out there. I mean, they're, they're trying to throw the ball over the middle, and he's reaching out. And then they've got a, another receiver that's, you know, 6'3", six, 6'4", six, six, that can climb the ladder and go up. Greenbrier's got a chance uh, to, to make the playoffs here. I think they got a really good chance, but I agree with you. I think that Creekwood-Greenbrier game October 8th is going to be for a playoff spot. And look at Marshall County. I mean, the key games that they have, mostly at home. I mean, they have a trip to Tullahoma, but they get Greenbrier home. They get Pearl Cone at home. They get Creekwood at home. That's a tough trip to go to Marshall County and play. That's not an easy place to win at all. No, absolutely not. And you're right. I think that that the schedule plays out in their favor. Yeah, that that October eighth night, Procon goes to Marshall County. That could be your region championship game right there. So definitely one to watch for this year. And this whole region is going to be it's going to be fascinating just because of the of the number of teams in it beating up on each other. I mean, an injury or two could send one of these teams spiraling out of control. 
Yeah, I think that's that's your margin for error right there. If you get if you get one or two injuries or one major injury, if you're any one of the teams, say two, three, four, five, six, right in there, uh, the dynamic of this region changes altogether, and that uh, that could give somebody an opportunity that that might have finished in sixth place, you know, but they were fortunate to stay healthy. Oh, one thing about uh, Class Four A, I mean. The western half of this bracket, apparently, it, it seems to be the one where you want to be because on the eastern side, that's where a lot of the strength lies in East Tennessee with Elizabeth and Greenville, Anderson County. I mean, uh, those teams up there could get through to the semifinals and, and pretty much punch their ticket to Chattanooga real quick. No, if, on the western half, this is why Region 5 is fascinating because Pearl Cone can realistically – Milan moved up to 4A as well, so they may get another shot at Milan in the semifinals this year if it works out that way. Um, I'm really, really excited to see Pearl Cone try to get Metro back to the Blue Cross Bowl because they were close last year, and I thought they were going to get there. They just didn't work out in the in their last gasp. But 5A is a class that we talk about wide open. 5A is definitely wide open, and I want to bring up the Region 5 from last year, and we'll talk about it. Some of the 5A champion, had, they went 14-1, and won. No, it wasn't wide open last year. They were they were basically the class of the field. No, and the rest of this region, Shelbyville and Franklin County got in a fight late in the year. They couldn't make the playoffs, so the other four teams went and didn't really fare so well in the postseason. And some of the changes that are coming through for 5A as well, this, these are big changes for 5A. Teams moving up and moving out, Some a couple of moving down. Uh, for 5A, Region 5 changes. It's, it's, a new, it's a new region for Region 5. You know, all those teams we just saw, they're gone. They're all somewhere else. Mount Juliet, Wilson Central, Station Camp are coming into Region 5 from Class 6A. Uh, Green Hill will be eligible for the playoffs for the first time as a second-year program. White County, after being an independent for a couple of years, they're back eligible for the postseason. Hillsborough and Hunters Lane come from Region 6 to Region 5. And the old Region 5 teams, as I mentioned a minute ago, they're now in Region 6, and we'll get to them in just a bit. So Region 5 now looks like this with Green Hill, Hillsboro, Hunters Lane, Mount Juliet, Station Camp, White County, and Wilson Central. So a lot of a heavy Wilson County flavor there in 2021. Guys, what stands out about this region to y'all? Well, well White, White County. County. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking at this thing, and I'm seeing uh, – Close, close, relatively close, relatively <laughs> close. And then you got to drive all the way out to flipping Sparta. <laughs> or Sparta's got to drive to you. That's the thing that jumps out to me is the same people who put that last region together put this region together. <laughs> One of these things is not like the others. You're exactly right. Yeah, I think you, you stole my, you th my thunder there, Scott. I was thinking the same thing because uh, – uh, of course, White County, now they've stepped out of region play for a little bit, trying to kind of get the legs of the football program back up under them. And uh, I don't think this region does them a lot of favors. I mean, uh, you know, let, let's look at how good Mount Juliet has been, and now they take a step back into 5A. You know, I think Station Camp is glad to be back in a 5A classification. Hillsboro, they're going to be tough, as you know. Uh, Green Hill, I had a chance to go out and see them at practice, and uh, I really like what they're doing. I think they've got um, – They've got the potential to take a Nolansville type step in that, you know, being a newer school and being competitive pretty quick. I think they've got a good shot at doing that, that Green Hill squad. So this to me looks like a pretty 
pretty tough region. And uh, for White County, you know, it's going to be a great challenge, not only just the travel, but can you compete with this tough region top to bottom? Yeah, and another team that we didn't mention here is Wilson Central, that that one that made, I think benefits really from, from getting away from some of the other 6A schools and getting into this region where they can immediately compete for a region title. Wilson Central's never won a region title in its school history. So this might be their best chance to do that in 2021 with Green Hill and Mount Juliet right in front of them in Hillsboro as well. But Hillsboro, the biggest thing about Hillsboro is they get to play at home again for the first time since 2017. They've been on the, they've been nomads for the last three years. They finally are going to have a home stadium ready to go in September and we'll be out there when it opens up. And, and they're excited about just being home and having a home locker room and having a facility. You know, they've made some major improvements out there at Hillsboro. They're actually going to have a practice field on top of their parking structure. Wow. Nice. It's, it's impressive. And it's not quite 100% finished yet, but from all accounts that I've seen of it, it's going to be really something when they get it done. And it's going to be a big deal for those kids. I guess the biggest question about Hillsborough is going to be quarterback, don't you think, Chris? I mean, yeah, who's they're, going to they're build still, the and there's still got two or three different candidates looking out there. Um, now, Anthony Brown takes over as head coach there, and he, he's got a quandary there, a couple, two or three different candidates that he's still working through, and they may not have a starter name until week one. So, well, you, I know they, um, they're they athletic. It just depends on, uh, you know, who, who can uh, who can step up and, and deliver the rock because they've got some uh, talent at wide receiver and in the backfield, and they've got speed to burn. Um on the other hand, you've got Mount Juliet out there, and you know, right now I think that uh, they they look pretty good uh, at Clarksville the other night at scrimmage. Um, uh, Trey Perry, uh, though he wasn't uh, incredibly happy with the uh, uh, scrimmage. In fact, uh, he told me that uh, when I asked him, I said, "How you know how's the season looking?" He said, "Well, up until tonight, I would have told you it's looking pretty good." <laughs> So that tells you that uh, he wasn't happy, uh, but uh, they, you know, they're able to throw the ball and and run it. I think the the biggest question is going to be their defense. Um, I, I think that they'll be able to score with anybody. So you know, when you when you look at it, if it comes down to Hillsborough and Mount Juliet, that could be a heck of a game right there. And we'll just bring that bring that list up. October twenty second, you mentioned in Hillsborough Mount Juliet, week ten. That's going to be potentially for a region title. Now it, it's a big night for for that region because you know, Station Camp Station Camp had broke a long losing streak last year. They actually went one and ten. They got they got a bowl game against Hunters Lane. Every every team could have played one last year, but they decided to, and it worked out for them. So they they got the monkey off their back as far as winning is concerned. But you know, they're still trying to rebuild. And if they hope to contend for a playoff spot, they'll have to beat Green Hill to do it. Yeah, I agree. And it, it's it's been a drought for Station Camp. That's why I was saying I think the move down certainly can help them. And um, still a tough region, though. But, uh, uh, again, I like that Green Hill team. You know, Mount Juliet being at home for that Hillsboro game, especially, you know, by that point in the season, Hillsboro should have their quarterback issues you figure worked out. But I like Mount Juliet in the trenches, too, because I think they've got some experience there. Uh, that's going to be big for them. I think it's a dogfight with those two, and I, I think October 22nd, that's your game that's going to determine 5-5-A. Yeah, if Wilson Central doesn't throw a monkey wrench into that whole thing on September 24th, yeah, I can see Mount Juliet Hillsboro being for one and two for sure in that region. 
And really, you know, whoever comes out of this region has a chance to go quite a long way because the way 5A sets up, you know, it's a good it's a good opportunity to make a deep run this year because it's it's pretty wide open on this part of the bracket because you don't have to see Henry County until possibly the semifinals. Yeah, I think uh, circle that September third game too, that Green Hill Wilson Central game. Um, I, I'm I like Tom believe that Green Hill's got something going, and uh, and and like Chris believe that they may be on that same uh, that same kind of schedule of where they you know they're going to be better sooner than later. Yep. I, I think that uh, Coach Crouch's things moving uh, in the right direction, but uh, Coach Deadman he's got some he's got some players over there at Wilson Central um he's got he he's also replacing a quarterback if I'm not mistaken so uh again it's just going to come down to leadership and can they get the ball in the hands of he's also replacing a running back too so um you know, you wonder is he going to have to rebuild or reload it seems like you know that they're somewhat reloading pretty much every year because they're always in the mix for a playoff spot I mean you never really see Wilson Central down completely the bottom of the standing. So, you know, that, I mean, they're they're competitive, and that's one thing that they pride themselves on over there in Gladeville. So I would expect that again from the Wildcats this year. Moving on to Region 6. You know, Region 6 was – it was the beach and, and, and really – it was the beach show last year, basically, in what was kind of a disjointed 2020 for this region with four Metro teams being afflicted by, by COVID-19. Um, some of them didn't even actually get to play all their games, like Lynn Cliff, Hunters Lane, Hillwood, and, and Hillsborough for that matter. But the you know, Beach found out just how good Summit was in the playoffs because that quarterfinal game was a classic. And, and if it wasn't for Summit, Beach might have been the one we've been talking about winning a 5 8 championship. Yep. They were that good. Yeah. Gallatin, Gallatin started off well, but they had a, a – just an affliction at home. For some reason, they couldn't win it on their home field. I think they they lost six consecutive games at home for the first time in forever, and just not something you see for the Green Wave. And they'll look to bounce back in 2021 in a big way. And I know Gallatin's also hungry for some playoff success, too. Let me change some screens here. Big changes in, in Region 6, though. Beach and Gallatin, they're going to have to do it in 6A. Uh, no one's feeling Spring Hill jumped up to Class 5A. Hillwood and Glencliff, they're gone. They're in 4A. Hillsborough and Hunters Lane move over to Region 5. We just mentioned those two teams. And the teams that were in Region 5 last year are now in Region 6. So, Fruit basket turnover. Yeah. <laughs> Needless now, to say. It's, it's, everything's changing. This is a season of change. And, and in 2021 and 22, all those teams that we just mentioned, they're gone. 2021. Now it's Columbia, Franklin County, Lincoln County, Nolansville, Page, and Spring Hill. So Nolansville to me seems like the team to beat here, but Page will have something to say about that. Guys, you agree with that? Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think yeah. that uh, right now, uh, Nolansville and Samson Johnson, uh, right now they are, uh, you know, they're the leaders going in the clubhouse on, at the beginning of the season. But I think Page is right there, Jake McNamara. Uh, I think he's ready to have a breakout year for the Patriots. Yeah, I was going to say McNamara is going to be a player to watch for them. Is he's he's got some D one offers on the table and uh, head of the Colorado State actually. So yeah, 
Yeah, I, I mean, a good overall athlete. But uh, Nolansville, I just tell you, I love what they've done with that program in such a short amount of time there. You know, they get after it, and uh, they've enjoyed some success early on. And uh, I, I think that's going to be a great head-to-head battle, Nolansville and Page, for that region this year. Yeah, Will Hester brought that program from its beginning, and then Paul Derrick has taken it over and just ran with it. I mean, he's kind of made it his own, and, and they've been kind of what you want to see a program do in its early years. Uh, you know, they've got to replace Ryder Glardy, a quarterback, but Kobe Walton looks to be a, a, a willing successor to that role. And Chance Fitzgerald, at receiver, a player that hasn't been talked about a lot, may very well earn a lot of talk this year because he's a big target downfield and has great hands. I've seen him in, up close and personal. And they've got a good weapon with him out the outside. So Nolansville's offense is not just Samson Johnson. They've got some downfield threats too. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're, I mean, I, I agree. I think that that team is uh, is it's going to be a dogfight, but I think right now uh, that they are, may just be a little bit better, again, on paper. You know, they got to play. But uh, then Paige is um, – I think the questions are going to be – uh, the third and fourth yeah. uh, in yeah. the region, and Columbia has got some questions. Uh, they got a new new coach. They yeah. a lot of turnover for Columbia. Yeah, um, you know, new coach, and I think there's been some player turnover. I've been trying to dig into that, and I, I don't know to what extent. Chris, do you have or you guys have any more information? They haven't been a lot coming out of there, but Jason Hope was was let go in the middle of July and then ends up as an assistant on the Spring Hill staff, which now makes that October 29th game that much more fiery. Yeah. Still cage grudge match. Yep. And and it very well could be for a playoff spot. If Spring Hill has anything to say about it. No, they've kind of been down the last couple of years, but no, there may be some ammo there for them to, to kind of step up and have a big year and challenge for a postseason spot in this region. And, you know, Columbia having to turn things over as quickly as they did, it may not bode well for them right now. Well, yeah. it's so hard to change coaches in the middle of July. I mean, you, you've got a coach working on a philosophy, and, and and you don't know what's similar, what's different with a new coach coming in. And, uh, uh, you know, when you're working with younger players with uh, – you know, trying to kind of rebuild, reload, if you will, that makes it even more difficult. So a Columbia team that, you know, people are looking at it as challenging for three or four, it's going to be, I think, a bit more challenging with the fact you've got a new regime coming in mere weeks before the regular season gets started. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it very well could be Franklin County or, or Lincoln County stepping up there, Spring Hill. Uh, it, it, it could be a mess back there. And in, in all it takes is, you know, is one win. Uh you know, in the, in the right area and to, you know, pop you up there. So yeah, there's a lot of, there's a lot of question marks there that, uh, that weren't there a few weeks ago. Yeah. That's going to be a a fun region to to follow just because of some of the drama that's been going on in the, in a couple of places. And, uh, we'll see how that one turns out because region six, I mean, that this region's it sets up for Nolansville and Mount Juliet or Hillsborough to meet in the playoffs. That could be a fun, fun playoff game if they get together in, in, in November. Absolutely. Very competitive games and just uh, the kind of first-round games you, you love to see, but you, you kind of hate at the same time because you want to see these teams have an opportunity to sort of advance along into the playoffs. But uh, I think we could see some really great first-round matchups between these two these two uh, regions. Yeah, it's, it's, it shapes up to be some some good stuff, for, for and really for Region 5, honestly. I mean, I think they may have the edge right there, but no one's filling page. 
know, could make things interesting in 5A. And like I said, this this class seems to be wide open. But uh, one of the favorites that everybody's talking about is Henry County. And you know, Region 7, Henry County won it last year, went unbeaten, kind of blew everybody out, and, and nobody really touched them at all. Clarksville Northeast, you know, did their best, but uh, they couldn't. They came up short against Henry County twice, lost to them in the quarterfinals. It won't be as easy for this region this time around because Memphis comes back into the fold this year after missing 2020. So, a couple of changes in, in Region Seven will will kind of affect things. Springfield and Portland move up from Class 4A into 5A and get to play a little bit farther west. Clarksville and West Creek go up to 6A, and Dyer County actually moves out to Region Eight. So. A big move for them as well. So Henry County, Kenwood, Clarksville Northeast, Clarksville Northwest, Portland, and Springfield make up Region 7 in 2021 and 22. It's Henry County, I think, and everybody else chasing them. Guys, um, who might be number two? Do you think it's Northeast or maybe Springfield? No, What do you say about it? I think they could be a tough fight there for number two. And I, I like what you say with Henry County. I think they've got a, a bit of a chip on their shoulder last year, falling to Summit in the playoffs. And they've got a good team coming back this year. But, uh, you know, when you look at it, I think it's going to be interesting who fights for two, three, and four out of this region. You know, to me, I don't know if I see a clear-cut favorite amongst these teams. But uh, uh, a lot of folks like that Springfield team this year. And uh, we'll just we'll just kind of see how all that plays out. I think it's going to be competitive, and, and and even a Portland, which people look at a bottom feeder, it's just you know Portland's always been one of those programs. Always keep an eye on, even when they seem down, they can sometimes sneak up on you and shock you a little bit. Yeah, that that's one that I kind of had in mind for this region in Portland. You know, kind of forgotten about, but it actually kind of sets up decent for them to make a postseason to make a postseason appearance simply because Northwest is still trying to pick up the pieces from last year, which they were in shambles, and Kenwood might be there for the taking. That that could be a fun little game for Portland on October 1st when they go to Kenwood. That will decide a lot as far as the playoff spots are concerned. I think you're exactly right. I, I, I think that really uh, that September 3rd uh, Springfield Northeast game could be for, uh, once all said and done, could be for that second spot. Um, you, you never cut – uh, you never uh, count a Dustin Wilson team out, but, you know, Northeast has a lot of talent and a good quarterback in Jaden Puig. Uh, they've got, uh, I think, uh, a lot of speed on that team. Uh, Tykes Blanton is a name to circle. Um, he's, he can make things happen with the ball. And I and uh, in their scrimmage, they, they put some uh, – they, they put some moves on beach, which – uh, again, not everybody was out there. Bronco Hanks was out. Um, but I think that they've got the offense, but I think Springfield, uh, it's just hard to, to go against them as, as tough as that uh, defense is. All right, guys. There. I'm going to put you on a little bit of a spot right here. As, far, as wide open as 5A is, I want you to give me somebody who will get out of the western half. Who's going to be one of the two teams in Chattanooga? You hit it, Tom. You first. <laughs> you you were kidding, but on the spot, boy, I tell you for sure. Oh, man. Um, coming out of East because you always think about Henry County, but, um, wow. You know, I always look at a team like 
like maybe a Powell or somebody, you could get somebody around that Knoxville area. But now the Chattanooga area is always tough because uh, you got good 3A and 4A schools, even 2A. But, uh, you know, 5A is kind of a tough representative there for me to come up with one. Yeah, I think the 5A in East Tennessee really is the strength of 5A. I'm just – I want to see the western half of this bracket and who you think might be coming out of it. I mean, is it Mount Juliet? Is it Hillsborough? Is it Nolensville? Do you think Henry County? I mean, could Springfield wow. pop up and surprise somebody? I mean uh, – Right now, if I was pointing to a team, uh, I think that would point to Mount Juliet. I like Mount Juliet. Uh, I think they're balanced. Um, and I think that they've got a hunger uh, this year. Um, you know, at this point, I, I like them. Um, Henry County, you know, of course, is always a threat. But of those others, yeah, uh, give me Mount Juliet. Put that down. I, I I tend to agree. I wanted to go that route because it's just like the balance, and uh, uh, it's hard to go against Henry County just simply because, like I said, I think they're going to be playing with a chip on their shoulder this year. They're going to be tough to beat, but I do like that Mount Juliet team. I think they're going to they're going to surprise, and they may come out of there out of West Tennessee in five A. Yeah, that's that's certainly a possibility. I mean, I I say it's Henry County till further notice, but I'm going to go with Nolansville. I think that what they're building over there offensively is a powerhouse and you know they're a that talk about chip on your shoulder when you lose in the semifinals the last two years oh yeah those seniors are going to be hungry and i think they are ready to take the next step and going up to 5a will benefit them more than not and that game if they do play mount juliet in the quarterfinals that's going to be a heck of a game uh, no yeah. doubt and, and mount juliet's always a tough place to play and and they're going to be they're going to be in the discussion too they're that's a really good team i think they could very well run the table in the regular season they could go unbeaten. I, I can say that with confidence because I look at their schedule and I think it's gettable all the way down. But no one's full is going to be a challenge for everybody this year. And I think the Knights have a really good shot at possibly getting a Chattanooga for the very first time in school history. They're just on an upward trajectory that, that I like. And I think that you know, Paul Derrick is building something special over there. It could be a really big year for them. Samson Johnson is going to be just incredibly tough to stop. When he ever gets to the hands of the football, you can – uh, no matter what shoes he's wearing. Now, <laughs> the, best, the best part about Media Day, I think, in Williamson County was you know, talking to him about his shoes because he has apparently several different pairs of, of custom-made shoes that he likes to to bring out. He, he is the football version of a sneakerhead, basically, in, in, in some of his custom shoes. So whenever he's got the ball, no matter what shoes he's got on, he's got a threat. He's a threat to score. So, Yeah, I, I, if, they, if they do take it, Chris, it'll, it'll be – it won't be a surprise. I mean, it, it, they may not be the favorite, but it, I don't think anybody would be just shocked. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. 5A is going to be fun. 5A is going to be fun because there's so many opportunities for several teams to win it or, or at least get to the Blue Cross Bowl. And honestly, I think it is wide open. I think whoever comes out of the West will have a good shot to win it because, yeah, East Tennessee is strong at 5A, but there's nobody overwhelming. Right. Right. You know, you've got Oak Ridge, you've got Powell, you've got Knoxville West and Knoxville Central, and a lot of those teams are still very good teams up there. But it's going to be, I think, the most competitive class out of all of them in the state just because there's a lot of balance in a lot of areas. So it's going to be fun to watch. Uh, 4A and 5A both will be interesting. And I think the two classes we just covered in these preview show in this preview show – Hold a lot of cards as far as mid-state hopes for for a Blue Cross ball appearance. I agree. I, I think that it's, it's 
if nothing else, this is going to be fun. I mean, it's going to be, you know, it's going to be joy uh, just watching these teams. And, uh, yeah, this this may be one. <laughs> uh, now, we're only uh, through uh, one, two, three, four, and five, but uh, this is definitely going to be one of the highlight uh, classes out there. Yep. And what's what's funny is about 5A, we've just talked about all the turnover and flip-flop and, and strange-looking regions, and yet when you look at the big picture of it all, you know, this probably is the most wide-open region, and a lot of teams that, that uh, could possibly come out of here, a lot of teams that could surprise coming out of it, um, even with the strangeness of the reclassification, I, I do, of all the regions we've talked about, I, I think it's the most competitive we've seen top to bottom. It's, it's going to be fun. I mean, I'm looking forward to some of these games here, and you know, there could be a lot of uh, a lot of really good contests and a lot of really good nights to to cover some of these teams. And these may be some of the most fun games we cover just because of how competitive they are, top to bottom. Oh yeah. So I know I'm looking forward to it. I know everybody else is looking forward to it as we come back to all three of us guys. We're halfway through our preview shows and. and I want to ask one more question before we get out of here. Uh, I know that you know, 2020 was was difficult for a lot of people, but uh, what do you think will come out of having gone through that experience for some of these teams? Personally, I think, you know, uh, appreciation for the game, not taking it for granted. not And I'm going to – when I say this, I'm going to talk about everybody involved, and that's from coaches to players – to, you know, faculty at the school, to the fans. You know, we lost a lot in 2020 by having the things that we've just grown so accustomed to. And I think, you know, you see how much you take that for granted and it, it puts a new perspective on things. So I think we're going to see just a whole brand new appreciation. Um, and in a way, I hope it brings back a, a little more sportsmanship. And by that, just not, you know, <laughs> parents yelling at one another or, or just whatever the case may be. I, I hope we just, uh, we really do appreciate uh, what we do have in, um, in athletics and, and not take it for granted anymore. And, and uh, on top of that, and, and Tom, you got me back because that was uh, exactly where I'm going, but <laughs> also a sense of normalcy for these kids. Um, you know, Last year, uh, it, it was frightening. It was a frightening time for everybody, and and everybody want, just wanted some semblance of normalcy. And that is one thing that high school sports uh, give us. I mean, from cheerleaders to band members. You know, we didn't see any bands out there. Uh, Tom, you alluded earlier, no fans. Uh, I remember call. I remember covering a game that uh, Hillsboro played. It was a home game that played at Overton. Uh, high school and Metro couldn't have any fans, but over the hill at FRA, you could, you could hear the stands, you could hear the fans over there. And, and, you know, you know, kids were, you know, looking around, they could hear it and you could tell they could hear it. Uh, and, and it was something that was missing. Um, parents not being able to see their, their children play live, having to see tape and, and things of that nature. Um, you know, those are things that and experiences that parents and students can't get back. I think, though, if anything, what we learned out of it is just how tight the coaching community is. Uh, when we saw that we had coaches from other areas standing up for the Metro coaches, uh, when we saw coaches working together to schedule games, to work things out, to move things, 
to communicate. Um, going back to what Tom said about sportsmanship, I think the coaches led the way in that. They led the way with these schools, uh, these administrators, and they really set an example, I think, for you know all of us, including the, the school boards, the legislatures, and all that. They showed us the best parts of who we can be when we stand up for other people. And I think that, uh, you know, Middle Tennessee should be very, very proud of their coaches because they really, really exemplified uh, what it really means to care about their students. Absolutely. Yeah, I can agree with both of what y'all have said. Now I add a couple of things to that. I think from a, from a game standpoint, from a competition standpoint, 2020 gave us some matchups that we probably would not have seen otherwise. I mean, you had, Games like Brentwood and Brentwood Academy, who came together pretty quickly to play each other, they're a couple of miles, less than a mile from each other, and, and usually don't play. And they wound up playing on a Thursday night. Uh, Brentwood and Oakland in the regular season, you no, know, they came together a couple like two days before and got a game scheduled in, against each other. I mean, it was a blowout, but you know it didn't matter at that point because they got to play. And that was one of the things I think that a theme that I kept hearing was the kids just wanted to play. Yep, and that was one of the biggest things for 2020 and you heard it from Metro for weeks on end when they were trying to figure out what they were going to do. And when they finally got on the field, you could see the appreciation for the game for each other. And I think that's one of the biggest things that I'll take away from 2020 was just knowing that, yeah, it's football, it's competitive. It gets heated. Sometimes there's some, there's some pushing and shoving and name calling every now and then, but at the end of the day, it is a game. And, and they appreciate the game and the opportunity to play it. And I think in 2021, you're going to see that appreciation manifest itself into something even bigger. And so that's what I'm looking forward to for 2021. And I know a lot of people are just looking forward to get back in the stands. I want to see some bands. I want to see Pearl Cohen's band. You know, that, that's a treat to have on the field. East Nashville's band the same way. I and mean, we talked about them in a couple episodes. And it's going to be a fun year. And I'm looking forward to it. So, you know, we're halfway through these previews. When we get to 6A in Division Two, we're going to start talking about some big-time prospects on the field for some big-time teams. And when we get to those shows, you know, it's going to feel even closer than it already is. So, yeah, Absolutely. And, you know, it's been great just watching some scrimmages up to now. But, uh, man, it's about to get for real. And uh, I think uh, – Week one's going to be exciting when everybody hits the field. The Friday night lights are back shining brightly as ever. I can't wait, guys. Yep. Yep. Well, as promised, we did it in under 48 minutes. So you know, we'll come back with uh, Classics in our next episode for their 2021 preview. But for Tom Duggan, for Scott Burton, I'm Chris Brooks. We'll thank you for joining us, and we'll see you next time. Like and subscribe. <laughs>